to do with the concept of journey. And you made a reference about the, uh, either a quote or a concept uh, in the Dene teaching yeah. about journey, um, uh, which several of us would like some actual yeah. reference and to be able yeah. to follow up on that. Uh, a great reference would be my book. <laughs> my book here. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, my first book was The Earth Memory Compass, Danae Landscapes and Education in the 20th Century. It's actually a, a story focused a lot on Navajo boarding school experiences, including those of my dad and um, my relations. And my Aunt Florence went to boarding school, you know, almost all. Um, but I talk about, you know, Danae concepts of journey there. And even though it, it is an academic book, but I try to write um, for multiple audiences, I think it, it certainly helps with understanding um, spiritual ideas of, of journey. You know, as I was trying to explain earlier with the name concepts of religion is something that hit me was that Navajos don't even have a word for religion um, traditionally, like before uh, a heavy your European American influx and influence, it just is the way of being, you know, you just, you are, it's who you are, those spiritual ways of life. And, um, I think in a lot of ways, that's what the church teaches too, right? Is that you don't just check in on Sunday and you're saying all this and then you walk out and you don't practice what you're preaching or teaching, right? It is a way of life. It is a way of being. And so the idea of journey, um, at least in Dene concepts of it, it's, it's very powerful for me because it's cyclical, it's not linear. And I also see that, um, that resonating with me as someone who was raised in, in, uh, in the faith of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the significance of cycles and circles, eternity and intergenerational connections and such too. Um, and the cycles of life. Uh, so it's something that I think can resonate with a lot of different cultures too. But with my book, The Earth Memory Compass, it delves more into the specific context of uh, Navajo, has an introduction to that. Uh, and then I, I go into the experiences and and you know, literally the journeys of young children, Dene children, who had to go, were sent away had to travel far to go to school and um I'm, I'm working on those kind of projects as well with a, a co-authored book coming out about um the intermountain indian school that opened in brigham city utah so some folks might be familiar with that if they are from that area and it has an interesting intersection actually with um the church and church history, Boyd Cade Packer taught there in their Indian seminary program for some time. So um, the book doesn't delve as much into that. It's called Returning Home, but it also will explore these aspects of journey and learning journeys that I think um, people have shared in different contexts and discussed before. So I wonder if we could maybe maybe you or or James as well could talk a little bit about um, the walking in beauty and that concept. It sounds like um, there's a Dene saying that maybe James included at the end of his prayer that 
fleshes that out a little bit. I would love to hear more about that and would suspect it's related to this idea of journey as well. Yeah, that's actually, you know, the central part of that. Um, James, you want to explain too about why he decided to include it? My dad actually said that as well. If you, if you're listening, um, it's a lot of repetition, but, um, so I also explain this in the book, but a key part of it is that walking in beauty is um, that hajo is the term you heard, hajo nahastli, you know, hajo is that teaching that is something that takes a life to fully understand. But that's that idea of balance and beauty and harmony. And the concept that I also brought up in the lesson, sa nagai dike hajo, is that idea of, you know, live a long life in that beauty, like seeking that beauty. And a lot about life is that it's a constant whirl of forces trying to cause disorder, imbalance, right? And that goes into the ideas of war. War is that disorder, imbalance, and also sickness, pandemic, and how we have these upheavals in our society that that seek to, you know, cut people apart, cut relations, sever them, and hurt them in these ways. And it's not even just human to human. I think a key part of that is also, it's about orientation in terms of where you are with all things around you, whether it's considered human or not, right? The earth, the waters that we rely on, the, um, the food, where do we get it? The animals that are a part of our lives and all these different aspects that that's all things surrounding you. So James can probably explain if he wants <laughs> more because <laughs> his prayer actually evoked those ideas of walk in beauty. But something my dad and he left already, but something that was powerful for me that he shared when I was trying to learn from him more about what it meant to him, I said, Dad, you know, what's Hajo? What's the four directions? What, what does that mean, these processes? Because it's about the four directions and aspect. And he said, it's, it's like a whirlwind. It just goes on and on and on. And he said, to me, it means being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. It's like what I was talking about of walking uprightly. I think that's another way of it explaining that is that you're moving forward in your life and you're being sure that you're in balance and you're able to walk and, and go through the, you know, not just A to B, but it's actually all, all a part of a cycle of we're born in this life as, as infants learning and growing and then maturing to old age and we pass away, but that's not the end. It's a new, it's, it's a cycle and new life that goes on. And we know death is not the end. We know life can be eternal and families can be together forever. You know, these are the kind of teachings and also that it matters, you know, thinking about the future and the generations ahead and how we think, you know, there's a saying among Native Americans, think seven generations ahead. But this is, you know, that's just an example of, of thinking ahead in our interconnections with things. James, did you have something you wanted to add as, as you brought that up? are parts of your prayer? Sure. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, you've covered this very well, Farina, but um, this idea of beauty being all around us, it's a, it's a challenge um, for, for to us um, to see the beauty in, in all things, 
Um, and that means that we, when, when these prayers and the, the, uh, the beauty way ceremonies where, where that phrase comes from, right. These, this part of the prayer, um, you know, before us, behind us, above us and around us, this encompasses us, right. It's, uh, it's supposed to be a, a constant reminder um, that this this life is kind of like a journey. We are constantly walking. I, even in um, you know in the Navajo language itself, um, a lot of the the way that it's um, I guess thought right in, in in its very thought in its abstract form is in walking right. Like I remember my father, he talks about. Navajo, he says that when there's a certain phrase that's said, you can actually picture the person doing that thing in your mind, and it's a it's like a an action that's continual, and um, you know that's that's the fun thing about language, right? About how how this can be uh, created, and so um, the th- the fact that it's repeated four times this is a sacred number for us and it's a it's metaphorical it's a, a spiritual um, symbolic um, way for us to see things all around us and uh, keep us centered or keep us in balance and so that right this is our connection to one another it's our connection to all living things and um, it's not just um, like Farina was talking about. It's not just in the spiritual sense. All things become spiritual. And so myself as a sociologist, then I, this makes me think, you know, if I, if I look at a, a thing that I have purchased through this system of consumption, if I am to use this idea of, of harmony and balance and beauty, then I, I ask, well, who has is, who is prepared it? And how did they prepare it? Under which conditions? And how did it affect our land, our Mother Earth? How did it affect the water and the sky and 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 all all things that we consider sacred? And I think it's a it's a fantastic way to help us be respectful of of God's creations. In that, you know, to to help us to think deeply that. Um, that the path that we're on is, 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 is unsustainable. And this is because this is only in the wisdom of men. But as we focus ourselves to center ourselves in, in the ways of, of beauty or the ways of our, our heavenly father, then it, it helps us to um, correct those things. And um, so I was praying that for us, that we could be thinking of that and that our words will be beautiful. Yeah, I think another key aspect of that is um, restoration has been really powerful for me lately of um, that beauty is restored in in this constant, you know, journey we're on and the balancing that we're trying to seek with um, that kind of harmony with all things around us, that what is it, you know, what is the ultimate healer or, or what are the what are what is needed to heal and what is need to restore because um in that part of of saying beauty is restored because there's going to be affronts to it there's going to be um a constant <laughs> constant turning of of being pulled in different directions of distractions of um 
like I said, affronts of trying to target and, and rip apart that beauty. You know, there's forces that, that try to do that. Well, what, how is beauty then restored? And it's not just like you're cured, you're done, right? That's our mortal, that's our mortality. That's a part of also what we learn in the plan of salvation is it perseverance continue you know when you make mistakes when you fail which inevitably we will at some point then what do you do to heal and to have that beauty restored and to learn and grow stronger from that experience i think that it was also very important for me of reading these scriptures is often i'm learning wow you know there's cases of slavery bondage really nasty stuff happening happening here slaughter um towns and and cities being destroyed or or people's lives being um, turned upside down. And how can people establish peace after that? How can they seek to be better and have something better for their children to have that freedom, you know, and, and be able to live in happiness in pursuit of that is it, for me, a key part of that is actually having the light, which the savior He's, he's the one to restore and to heal us and to humble us, to teach us. And I think that's, um, that's powerful for that. That's been something for me that I, I think about, but, um, all these teachings, they, they strongly resonate with me in those ways. Thank you. There's a button there. We, we still have people watching. Listen no. to this conversation. <laughs> I uh, don't want to leave. I no. just want to add. I want to. I want to bring in one comment that was there. I, for me personally, the metaphor or reality of walking is very powerful and ties to a number of parts of my personal experience in life. But a, a comment here that I thought was valuable was that in some languages, such as Sp Spanish and New Testament Greek, the word for walk can also be used as meaning something like to be or live or behave. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because in Navajo, there, when I was looking into this and I write about it more in my book, there are dozens of ways to say to walk. It is a very intricate, highly intellectual language. I mean, that's why my uncles were a part of using one of the only unbreakable codes in world history is <laughs> because this is such an intricate and, and beautiful language. And to me, that breaks my heart even more of how the onslaught of trying to erase that, you know, and erase these knowledges, these epistemologies and all that's embedded in that. But um, I'm glad you put that out there because yeah, they, even in Navajo, there's so many different ways of, that's why in English, it's hard for me to think, oh my gosh, I just have to use, you know, Navajo to say this or um, where when I studied other languages like Yoruba that I brought in, I explained that um, that's a figurative language. And even the way they say I'm happy, inumidun means my stomach is sweet. And so it goes into like, why do they think that there's like parables and stories, even when they would say things like the mat is flat it would have these integral meanings to it. And so I, I love language for that reason that um, I think there's a lot that's already in the scriptures coded. And that's why I began with Brian in the end as we were talking, my husband, 
we were talking and I was like, there's so much in the scriptures where I'm like, why are we talking about olive trees? I don't know anything about olive trees or whatever. And so it's, it's learning and exchanging and growing in that and, and um, know that our minds are capable of this. That's something my uncle Albert always emphasized to me when I talked to him. He said, you know what? We are not, I don't call them kids. Those are goats. He's like, we have a great computer in our mind. We have a great computer up here. And the great creator, we are connected to him. And he will allow us to do so much. Like he often talked about the mind as a great computer or just like the the amazingness of what we can do with our minds and, and how we are capable of so much. And I think that's a part of understanding that potential that we each have as warriors and as children of God, and no matter who you are or where you come from, because a lot of times people will put categories on you. Things will happen in, in confrontations over time. I know a number of people have brought up uh, questions about Indian student placement program or different aspects. I would love to talk about all that. Um, those need their own discussion, <laughs> like a whole discussion forum. Um, but yes, I have family who are involved in that program that the church ran, and and I'm not going to open that can of worms because it it needs you know it, it's time and attention. But those are moments in history where different people they converge and they meet, and that's even my own existence where people ask me, you know, I am I am a white. Uh, settler descended woman as well as Danet. And that's where I loved actually chapter 63 of Alma. It, my inspiration from that and, and what I've heard about, you know, Hagoth and, and these different movements of people, my inspiration from that is that people and, and throughout the Book of Mormon too, what it sparked for me is people are crossing and coming and going and we meet each other and we love each other. You know, that families are built from people from all these different backgrounds and we start new families and new branches. And that's the beauty of it too. That's a part of our inner connection where we have family all over and, and we make these, um, we make these different connections and, and new communities, but, but we can trace it back where we are all related. You know, I love that app on, um, family search where it's like, how are you related? <laughs> the one find your relative. Cause you realize, wow, you know, we, we can, we don't have to go that far back to find where we are connected. And so if we think about that, and I'm glad Rebecca brought this up that thank you for highlighting. I was successful in one way. I got you to think about that. I do love that where people think these scriptures about war are, um, they are disheartening. They are frustrating and painful to read, but we read them for a reason to learn from that because still we're still warring against each other, even in, and this isn't just the way of like dropping bombs in very violent ways, but I find sometimes I'm at a moment of, do I pick this battle against my sister or against like that coworker? How do I treat them? Or am I going to come to an understanding? And it can be hard because what do you do when, you know, you are being attacked and don't want to be a doormat. So it gets to nitty gritty and very difficult questions and circumstances that I can't be the judge in every 
instance, that's not who I am, but the Lord is. And that's why developing that relationship with the Lord and understanding, trying the best we can to learn from those kind of eternal and um, beautiful, you know, how we can connect to that and have that discernment and personal revelation and how to act and how to walk uprightly on that and walk in beauty and all things. That's what, what this perseverance and the life journey is about. And it can be sometimes easier to actually a lot time, a lot of times easier to try and articulate than to live. But um, I'm just grateful for so many examples of people who, you know, I see the imperfections of people I love and revere, but I am so amazed by them and they inspire me. And that's something in history that has inspired me is that we can, we can learn, you know, we can learn from these wars of like, they already went through that. They had to go through so much like my uncles and such. We don't have to, we don't have to stir up wars and contentions. We can be the pursuers of peace. We can be the ones to unify people and approach things in love. We can do that though. It's hard. It's sometimes actually many times is harder to love than to hate. Hate can be an easy path out. Fear can seem like the easy path out, but that's what the adversary wants you to believe. It's a mirage, you know, when, when in truth, um, it's that, that love and that mutual respect. What is love? You know, it's where if you don't love yourself, go and, and know and learn yourself and how much the Lord loves you. And then you know that you want to treat others as you want to be treated. You know, you know that how to treat your brother and sister, you know, you learn the obligations and how, what is eh, and what does that entail? So those are things that I'm still learning because be humble in this process too. You know, I have, I have been humbled many times and I'm still going to be, and there's times where, you know, I want to act out in anger or frustration, but learning to listen is so crucial in all this. I think listening is just as important as anything. And in that exchange between Moroni and Pahoran, we often hear about it in terms of don't take offense. It's about offense. Well, actually, no, I think it's a lot deeper than that. Um, Pahoran probably was like so happy Moroni was writing to him because he's trying to face a rebellion and insurrection and a, a civil war of its own in a way. And then Moroni writes, and sure, like he could have been offended or upset by it, but but he's realizing, yes, we can connect, we can communicate. Let's come to understand. Come and save me. Let's let's unite here, and then we can move forward together. And I think sometimes, you know, even just that act of reaching out and and doing the best we can to communicate, be understanding, listen, listen to each other's pains and hardship. And not try to get defensive and jump on things or shut off those lines of communication. That is so essential now more than ever, especially with a lot of contention being spewed and, and splatted everywhere of trying to divide um, have us as heavenly children and heavenly brothers and sisters. So do you, um, is Rose, does, does she show up as Heather Tannenau? Um, she did, but I think she had to leave. I don't see her still. Well, she's got her hand up. So I, if that's if that's oh. Rose, I want to go ahead and bring her back on. Yeah, Heather Tanana. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Sure. If Rose wants to add something, of course. 
Hi, Rose. You're back on. You got to unmute. Go ahead. Uh, uh, uh. at doing all this stuff, and I don't want to interrupt. But my thoughts on, on a lot of the things that you said were so wonderful. And um, I think the one thing that really touched me was about the mothers when you were talking about mothers and how they're warriors. And um, when I think back on my mother and what a warrior she was, because, you know, women, Navajo women did a lot of weaving and um, the tools they used to, to me as weavers was a, uh, was a weapon in her own right, because they used the weaving to uh, eradicate hunger and to clothe their children and to do all these wonderful things because um, I really have a lot of love and respect for my mother because of the things that she was able to do. And I remember times when she would try and finish a rug and I would sit by her as a little girl and seeing her almost to the very end of her weaving and seeing how tomorrow she will take this rug and take it to the trading post and give us food and candy. <laughs> I remember her, her bringing suckers, a bag of suckers and giving it to me to share with my little brothers and sisters. There were 11 of us. We lived in this hogan. And to see her do all these wonderful things for us to be clothed and to bring uh, cloth to make clothes for us and all of these things. And, uh, and then her testimony was the one thing that I loved because every time I went down home to see her, she would share her testimony and she would say, remember who you are and to always be prayerful because um, you need to remember that Heavenly Father is there for you when you need him. And all these things was always a testimony from her to let me know that Heavenly Father was there for me and my family. And I just wanted to share that and, and let you know that my mother was a strength to me and my father too, who also we uh, became a branch president and my mother was a Relief Society president. And these things have really strengthened me to let me see how good our Heavenly Father has been to our family. And to know that I am a child of God that he, he loves all of us, no matter who we are. And I see so many sadness going on today in this world, and it just hurts me to see how unkind some people can be. And I think in the Book of Mormon, that's what's going on, is because anytime people forget about Heavenly Father, things start to happen that, are not good. 
they're not walking in beauty anymore because when you do, everything is push on the hustle, which is everything has become beauty again. And that is what it's saying in the, in the Maori prayer, they will say things almost similar to that. And uh, I was so touched by that when I was in New Zealand to see that they are so much like us. And I am so grateful for them too. And I'm grateful to you, Farina, for letting me be a part of this. Thank you. I can't have you say bye, Hanson, May the Lord be with you and help you walk in beauty this day. Thank you. Rose. You're just awesome. Thank you. And thank you, James. And um, I, I love you all. You um, are such lights to me and I appreciate that, you know, my grandma was a weaver too, and dad sharing the stories of that, it really helps me to think about life as that tapestry. You know, we all are these threads and by ourselves, like it's a key part, every fiber is a key part, but you have to stand back to see that beauty all together. And sometimes stand back from outside of yourself, you know, to understand how we all interweave and we all matter to each other. And and the Lord, he sees those those great tapestries and and weavings of our lives. And I'm I'm so grateful for that and grateful for each of you. Also to my mother, she also prayed every night with us, had eight children. And some people, you know, I know sometimes she thinks I talk so much about my Dene heritage that I forget, but I don't. She came from a strong, a strong line of women. Women who often um, had to be the only ones working for their family. Um, And I love that. I encourage everyone, learn the stories of the women in your lives even if those can be painful for you, um, it helps you to understand where you came from and, and how you can move forward in that. Uh, so I'm just so grateful for that emphasis as well on, on family and, and family history and, and learning our own stories and realizing that we're making history every day and, and what our children will look to. And my, my son's poking me ready to go now. So I do have to get going. The kids, he was doing the wrap it up, mom. And, but thank you so much, Rose. And give my family a hug over there. Uh, COVID safe style space. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. And thank you so much for meeting with us. I, I really wish you all the best. Thank you, Farina. Thank you. Thank you, Farina. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, James. We've, this is, and, and your father, Farina, even though he's not listening. Um, thank you all. I think we, um, I think we need to wrap for it, other meetings and technology all together. 